Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. Matthew chapter 4 verses 8 through 10. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And from Matthew chapter 6, 8 through 10. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Last week, we looked at our Father in heaven. And we talked about the intimacy of this relationship we have with God as our Father. And and yet, this God is in heaven, is wholly other, completely different than you or me. This week, we look at your kingdom come, your will be done. And I just have a confession to make. In fact, there'll be a few points where you're going to hear a confession from me. Lent is, after all, a season of confession. As I wrote this sermon, there was just a moment. Sermon preparation is different every week, but there was a moment after I had walked campus and walked around the Jesus statue that's on campus with Jesus holding a towel and basin. And I'd come back to the office and And it was this like holy moment with the Lord where I wrote almost the entire sermon all at once. It does not usually happen like that. I just felt this burden from God about this particular message, your kingdom come, your will be done. And it just kind of came pouring out. And then this morning I was praying and preparing and and trying to get my heart in this place to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I was sitting in my office, kneeling before my chair, praying, and suddenly it occurred to me, this sermon is not funny, like at all. (laughs) There's no moment, I realized there's not a joke in it. There's not a moment of lightheartedness where everybody laughs, and I I started to become really concerned about that. Like, what's, what's something funny that I can tell them? What happened this last week? What did my children do? Like, surely there has to be something I can kind of pepper in that's a little bit funny. And, and this morning as we were hearing Chad and Crystal share about what's happening in the church in Ukraine and in Russia and the area of the world that they're serving, it was like God convicted me and said, Shauna, it doesn't have to be funny. It just has to be true. Your kingdom come your will be done. Where Jesus prays for the kingdom of that Father we talked about last week, not his own. And the will of the Father, not his own. Your kingdom come, your will be done. 
your kingdom come, your will be done. If you notice, these lines are almost like two lines of a poem. It's like breathing in and breathing out. It's almost like the double beat of a heart. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This seems, in fact, to be the heartbeat of Jesus' life. If we look at the life and story of Jesus across the gospel, the heartbeat of Jesus' life is your kingdom come, your will be done. This is his heartbeat. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, it tells us that the devil took him to this high place and offered him all the kingdoms of the world. Interestingly, it seems that the kingdoms of the world are something that are Satan's to give. Took him to this high place and offered him all of the power and influence that he would have with all the kingdoms of the world for his to reign and rule and control. All of that offered to Jesus. But Jesus' heart didn't beat for his own kingdom. Jesus wasn't concerned about his own will, but the will of the Father. So when offered the kingdoms of the whole world, your kingdom come, your will be done. He starts calling disciples and followers, which would seem to, in and of itself, have the temptation to build a kingdom. I mean, when you have to get a following... You have to get people to like you enough to want to follow you and listen to you. There's a temptation to then build a kingdom of your own. But Jesus seems to attract an interesting crowd. These are fishermen and synagogue rejects, tax collectors and sinners, people who are sick and mentally different, people who Scripture described as demon-possessed and the families of those afflicted by such things. This is a group that's hard to love. This is a group that's even harder to try to build a kingdom with. These are not the people that you handpick to plant a church. And these are not the people that you handpick to set up a new government. But these are the people that Jesus surrounds himself with that are drawn to Jesus. And Jesus looks at this ragtag group that follows him up the mountain that day. He looks at them and his heart beats your kingdom come, your will be done. And he gathers them up and he tells them, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek and the hungry and the thirsty and the merciful and the pure in heart and the peacemakers and the persecuted. Y'all are blessed. And the kingdom of heaven is yours. These are the people of the kingdom of heaven. And on that mountainside that day, he finishes this great sermon. And these crowds of people, they're following him, albeit it's a weird crowd. And he's finally gained a following. All the folks that come and follow him up the mountainside and are there when he's feeding and teaching. But just as soon as he finishes the Sermon on the Mount, where this could have been the moment he sealed the deal. He gained his following. He had his people to build his kingdom with. The moment the Sermon on the Mount finishes, someone with leprosy comes up to him. And this, this is a, a great way to kill a party immediately. It, it's like walking into a crowded room and coughing for a few times and saying, oh, don't worry, it's just COVID, right? Like this guy with leprosy walks right up to Jesus. 
And this could have immediately killed all the momentum that he has and in this following that he has acquired, this man with a highly contagious disease. And what does Jesus do? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. He stretches out his hand and he touches this man, touches him, bringing healing to the disease. And then after that, that man, he could have been a great PR moment for Jesus' campaign. I mean, get that guy in front of a camera. But Jesus instead, your kingdom come, your will be done. He says to the man, tell no one. Go and show the priests, bring your offering. In other words, rejoin the people of God in worship. Be restored to how God created you to be. After all of this, the Pharisees are starting to feel threatened by this following that Jesus has gained. Apparently, Jesus is out there talking about this kingdom, and it seems to be threatening somehow the kingdom that the Pharisees have got their fingers hooked into. And so the Pharisees are feeling threatened, and they set up a trap to catch Jesus. And they ask him, is it lawful? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? Tell us, Jesus. It's a catch-22. There's no right answer. No matter what he says, somebody's going to get mad, and half of his followers are probably going to walk away. What does he do? I mean, isn't he trying to build a kingdom, the Pharisees assume? Jesus, Jesus didn't pray, God bless Rome or God bless Israel. He prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done. And he responds, go ahead and give the emperor what's the emperor's. And you be sure to give to God what is God's. And then Jesus goes off with his disciples to Jerusalem for the Passover, knowing knowing that one of these disciples will betray him and the other will disown him before the night is up. And there's this plot to take his life. Whatever kind of kingdom that might have been built around this weird, strange group of followers, whatever kingdom might have been built was about to be crucified, and Jesus knew it. And so he goes to the garden and pray, even when he has to pray alone, even when these guys that have been following him and eating at his table and getting all the benefits of being one of Jesus' sidekicks, even when they all fall asleep on him, he prays, crying out to God, praying so hard, there's sweat beads of blood dripping down his face. And as he prays, he admits, God, I do want you to take this cup from me. Lord, if there is any other way to establish your kingdom, but God, your kingdom come, your will be done. When we pray this prayer, do you know what we're asking? I told you last week, it is a dangerous prayer, and so take this journey with us at your own risk. When we pray this prayer, we are asking God to unsettle our grip that we have on any other kingdom but the Lord's. We're asking for it. Saying, Lord, unsettle my grip. Would you loosen my white knuckles that I have around the kingdoms of this world? 
it occurred to me, I often take for granted that Jesus was probably, I, like I just assumed that Jesus wasn't really all that tempted with the temptations that Satan puts before him. I've just sort of taken that for granted, that, that Jesus really never let the temptation to build his own kingdom or to ride the wave of someone else's kingdom. I just took it for granted that that never really took root in his heart and in his life. I mean, he's a son of God. He's Jesus. I mean, he is fully God, but Jesus is also fully human. Fully human. And I don't think that the devil would have tempted him with the kingdoms of the world if it wasn't a temptation. And maybe it was a temptation for the best reasons. Oh, some of the temptations I struggle with the most, I have the best reasons for. I mean, the very best of reasons. Think about it. Jesus knew that he was the son of God, and he's come to talk about this heavenly kingdom. He knows that he's the son of God. Who could possibly be a better king than Jesus? Nobody. I mean, think about it. What would have it been like? What would the world have been like if in 30 CE, Jesus of Nazareth, like suddenly in an instant, became king over Rome and Israel and Egypt and Samaria, all the places. I mean, he could, have, he could have stopped wars. He could have saved lives. He could have healed so many people. He could have made a just world. He could have told everybody what the will of God was and put it into law so they had to do it. Sometimes I'm a little bit ticked that Jesus didn't take that gig. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I listened to an interview this last week with a pastor named John Mark Comer. He was a young man when he first started out working in the church, 19 years old, when he got his first church job. And he was charismatic and winsome and and really talented and bright, and he was promoted very quickly at a young age. Pretty soon, he was a teaching pastor and then a lead pastor and then a church planter. Planted his own church that grew like bonkers so quickly that everybody wanted to hear from him and know how'd you do it and get his secret sauce recipe. And the pressure started to mount. And while so many people around the nation are clamoring to to hear from him, one day, still in his mid-30s, he just walks away from it all. And people are left kind of scratching their heads like, what happened there? I mean, was it, a, was it like a moral failing? Or he just cracked under the pressure? What happened? When the podcast, he tells his story about all that he's been learning from Sabbath and learning how to rest. And how one of his mentors told him one day, if the devil can't demote you into silence... He'll promote you too quickly before your character can stand all that's asked of it. And as he was sensing that and, and feeling that, he, he walked away, not because there was any big collapse in his life, but simply because he was leaning into the heartbeat of Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God's kingdom is 
wherever God's will is being done. You know that? That is where we find the kingdom of God here on this earth. It is wherever God's will being, is being done. And when Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done, he got up and he went to the cross. In fact, his whole life, Jesus resists all the temptations to become a king or to build a kingdom without the cross. And it's on the cross that he finally is lifted up as king when he is doing the will of God even if it kills him. To pray that God's kingdom come and God's will be done means that we cannot build the kingdom by any other means than the will of God and the way of Jesus. You might have heard the phrase before, the ends justify the means. Is that a familiar phrase? Like, I mean, as long as it gets done... As long as the end and the bottom line, the end results are favorable and what we're looking for, then does it really matter how we get there? The ends justify the means. Well, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, those are the ends that we want as Jesus followers. Those are the ends. And the will of God are the means. And so if the way of the kingdom we are building is not the will of God, then this is not the kingdom of God we are building, as seen in the life of Jesus. It's not God's kingdom. I don't know about you, but I have to confess, again, a little confession time. It's good for the soul. I still have my claws wrapped into some of the kingdoms of this world. I'm just going to admit that to you. I'm recognizing it as God is still revealing things to me in my heart and life. I just recognize I've still got my claws in some of the kingdoms of this world. I can get pretty heated about American politics. I listen to podcasts and and, and I follow all kinds of different journalists and, and read stories. And I can get pretty heated for good reasons. I get pretty heated for good reasons because I care about people who are impacted by policies and I care about the tone and the tenor of our national discourse. I care about the world that my children will raise their children in someday. But oh, sometimes, sometimes I can get so worked up about about who's in office or who's out of office and how dare they. And if we could just get this person into office or advance this party's agenda, and then no matter what the cost might be, even if we have to make a deal with the devil, then we could really get some good done in this world. Oh, but your kingdom come. Your will be done. I can also get pretty heated about justice issues. Since I'm being honest and we're having a little confessional moment, I can get pretty heated. It's a season of confession. I get frustrated when I see that there are systems that are abusing the most vulnerable people in our society. And I get even more angry when I know the names and faces of people who are impacted. And sometimes I even get depressed about my own inability to do anything about it. And I feel like it's all so much bigger than me. I feel completely at a loss and overwhelmed about how to help a hurting world. And I care about the world. And on some days it feels like, man, if somebody would just tell me that they've got the answers and they know how to fix it, 
and they'll handle it for me as long as I'll support their cause, post their hashtag, wear their t-shirt, use their banner on my social media profile, maybe Venmo their organization, then I don't have to think about and get involved in the messiness of my neighbor's brokenness. But your kingdom come, your will be done. I can get pretty anxious about the state of this world that my kids are growing up in. I can get really anxious about that. And I, I see statistics and I hear stories and maybe I listen to too many podcasts. And, and I don't know if I should keep them in public schools or move them someplace else. I don't know if they should play this video game or not. And, and if I should let them chat on this app with their friends. And it feels like I'm constantly being torn between two bad options. One where I just let the world raise my kids and disciple them for me because it's too overwhelming to think about. And the other where I teach my kids that this world is bad and I don't ever let them interact with anybody. And I feel torn between these two really bad options as if I have to pick a side in these warring kingdoms. But then finally, God helps me to unloosen my white knuckle grip and say, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Last confession, I promise. I can get pretty worked up about the state of the church. I can get pretty worked up about the state of the church. I get worked up about celebrity Christian culture and the lack of participation in local congregations these days and the rise of online Christian platforms that seem to be building these huge platforms for people that I'm not always convinced are real faithful to the gospel. And I can get pretty worked up about the way that power is used in the church and the future of this next generation leading the church. And sometimes I think, oh man, man, if we could just, if we could just grow this church so that we have a bigger platform than that heretic over there. I mean, if we could just get to the place where our social media posts are getting shared more and our quotes, I mean, mainly my quotes, our quotes and, and, and our scriptures and, and our stuff, our stories are being told and they're drowning out all the loonies out there, then we could really convince people what the gospel is all about. And even if we have to sell our soul to the devil, doesn't it pay off in the end if people are learning about Jesus and lives are being transformed and we become world changers? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. By grace. The Lord's prayer makes us the Lord's people. Citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and it gives us the heartbeat of Jesus. The heartbeat of Jesus, Trevecca Community Church, it is strong in this place. Can you even hear it and feel it now? I can. I've been feeling it all week. 
I've had multiple conversations with people who have, who have come to share about their experiences with revival recently. Even some of our students in this church participating in a revival that runs counter to Christian celebrity culture. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. When I see group, a group of our church members just this last week getting together to talk about starting a grief share, a grief share group, that is going to take their experience of grief and let their wounds become a source of healing for other people. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I sat in a neighborhood meeting this last week where there are folks that gather from all over the Napier, Sudicum neighborhoods, other pastors and church leaders, nonprofit organizations, and people from the Napier Community Center. And everybody was working together, supporting each other, sharing resources, coming up with collaborative solutions to our shared problems, and no one needed to get the credit for it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Whew. When I find out that our church has now been invited to participate in an event on April 22nd on Earth Day at the Napier Community Center to help families in Napier take the walk across Murfreesboro Road to get to DuPont Park, bringing awareness to how dangerous Lafayette and Murfreesboro Road has become, especially for children to walk and helping people to realize that we have got to protect our kids so that they can have safe neighborhood streets to walk and safe parks to play at. And I realized that those kids that they're talking about supporting in this event, they're some of the ones that worship with us on Sunday mornings. They're our kids. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And when I've had the privilege to pray with people, multiple people, just in the last couple of weeks, who tell me that they have struggled to believe all the messages that the church has been sending them, saying, oh, you're made in the image of God. You're loved by God but they couldn't believe it because they had too many years of messages telling them that they were worthless and distorted, that there was something bad and wrong with them. But that in this church, in the last few weeks, they have had experiences, found community that has finally led them to embrace their status as children of God and their place in the kingdom of heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Even in this moment, I know as I have prayed that what we need to do now is go into a time of prayer and not just keep doing the preacher thing and getting people worked up, which is so tempting for me. But I want to lead you in a time of guided prayer where you can listen for the heartbeat of Jesus pulsing in your veins this morning a time of guided prayer. We're going to take a moment to do this. And so if you'd like to come and find a place to kneel at the altar even, if you just need to find a place that you're not around all the folks that you're sitting with now, or just a place of quiet and surrender, you can come on down right now. There's not going to be any music playing or any fanfare around it. If you want to just join in this time of prayer right there in your seats where you're at, or if you're joining us online, I just encourage you to get comfortable. Find a posture where you can really take a deep breath, where you can feel your heartbeat and trust that God is going to speak to you in these moments. It's just going to take a few minutes. I'm going to lead you in a time of prayer where we can recover the heartbeat of Jesus when sometimes it gets drowned out by all of the kingdoms of the world that we are white-knuckling.
So go ahead and find a place of prayer, either where you're at or come down to kneel at the altars this morning. You can either close your eyes or you can keep them open and stare at that beautiful cross right there or the words on the screen. But right where you're at, I want to invite you to go ahead and feel your heartbeat. Place a hand either on your wrist or on your neck where you can actually feel your heartbeat. Feel that steady pulse, the thrumming of life force that is flowing through you. Can you hear it? What God made you for. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Feel the heartbeat of Jesus pulsing through your veins. And now consider, when was the last time that your pulse quickened and your blood boiled because you were afraid or angry. Afraid that one of the kingdoms of this world that you trusted in wasn't gonna have your back, wasn't gonna protect you, or wasn't gonna win the day. And so your body went into flight mode, wanting to run and hide. Or a time when you were angry because your kingdom was threatened felt like it was under attack and your body went into fight mode, ready to protect that kingdom at all costs. Can you name what it felt like to feel that threatened? Maybe even just ask God to help you see what were you really afraid of? Or what were you really angry about? Was there a worldly kingdom involved? Can you even imagine Jesus standing beside you in that place? As your pulse is quickening, as you're feeling that need to fight or flight, can you imagine Jesus standing there with you? Steadying you with his peaceful, easy presence and his tender, gracious gaze. Now standing there in the presence of Jesus, can you just ask him to show you where do you have your fingers dug into the kingdoms of this world? Ask God to show you where you are gripping on so tightly. Now ask God for help from the Holy Spirit to loosen your grip. to show you where you've seen this heavenly kingdom, where you've seen the will of God being done in your life, 
Maybe just this last week, where have you seen it, this heavenly kingdom? Feel that pulse beating in your veins again. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Ask God to give you peace, knowing that every beat of your heart, God's kingdom is coming. Every beat of your heart, here it comes. God's kingdom is coming and it will not relent. There is no power on this earth that can stop it. The gates of hell will not prevail. God's kingdom is coming. And God's will is being done in you, child of God. Lord, hear the prayers of your children this morning. Lead us and guide us in the way of your kingdom, that your will might be done in and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, all of your children said, amen, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m. followed by service at 10.30. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.